Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to What Happened to That Guy, a podcast about former Ravens and life after football. I'm your host, John Eisenberg. I hope you don't mind if I ask for a favor here at the start of episode number five. It's not a big favor. I'm going to set a scene, and I want you to close your eyes. Try to envision it. Not if you're driving, of course. If you're driving, please don't close your eyes. Just pretend. The setting is a bar in St. Paul, Minnesota. A typical sports bar kind of place. Brick walls, lots of TVs. It's a weekday evening, and the place is dark, but it's rocking, packed with enthusiastic customers. A small wooden stage has been erected up front. It's empty right now, save for a microphone stand. Then the house lights dim, and the do-good comedy show begins. It's a night of stand-up comics performing, one after the other. The crowd claps and whoops when the opening act takes the stage. He's a big guy, dressed in jeans and a flannel shirt, his face vaguely familiar. He plucks the microphone off the stand, and he starts talking. I used to play in the NFL, he says, in a flat Midwestern twang. I didn't think there was any way I could be more famous or more important. Then I retired, and everyone forgot about me. That draws some giggles from the audience. The guy keeps going. I know some guys who are still playing in the NFL. And I tell them, you think you're such a big deal. Well, six months after you retire, people are going to be standing around the water cooler saying, you know, I'm never going to forget old... What's his name? The audience laughs. He's funny. The big guy on stage, Matt Burke. He's funny. You remember him, right? Burke? Oh, what's his name? He played center in the NFL for 14 years, first with the Minnesota Vikings and then with the Ravens from 2009 through 2012. When Joe Flacco led the Ravens to a Super Bowl title, Burke was snapping the ball to him, protecting him, helping make it all happen. He retired after that Super Bowl. He was 36 and had accomplished everything there was to accomplish in football. What would he do with the rest of his life? Now there's a question. Matt Burke probably could have done just about anything. He earned an economics degree from Harvard. He could have become an NFL executive, maybe even commissioner one day. He could have run a team as a general manager or a salary cap guru. Hey, forget football. He could have gone to Wall Street and started a hedge fund. Instead, he's doing stand-up comedy. I can't say I'm totally shocked that Matt Burke has become a stand-up comedian. 
I'll always remember one of his interviews with the Baltimore media after an otherwise forgettable Ravens training camp practice at the Under Armour Performance Center. It was a sweltering late summer afternoon. Burke had come off the field and was standing at the podium in full uniform, sweat cascading down. I'm sure he couldn't wait to get to the air-conditioned cool of the locker room, but it was his turn to field some questions. Podium interviews during training camp are not always, shall we say, super enlightening. Many disintegrate into cliches, especially on a sweltering day. Just getting my work in, embracing the grind, looking forward to a big year. This time, though, a reporter asked Burke an unusual question. Matt, what are you reading? Being a Harvard guy, Burke invited that sort of thing. An economics book, he replied. The follow-up question was inevitable. What's the book about, Matt? He paused, letting the mystery build. Oh, Burke said, it's a book about how we're all totally screwed. The media laughed. The guy at the podium, the sweating center, Matt Burke, he was funny. When I spoke to Burke for this podcast, I recounted that scene and his punchline. He didn't remember it, but he laughed. Yeah, I've got a little bit of wit and some kind of smart aleck and a bit sarcastic. So, yeah, well, you know, and, and, and a tortured soul. And that's what all, you know, all good comedians are tortured souls. <laughs> There's a famous show business joke you may have heard. Dying is easy. Comedy is hard. The point being, it's pretty terrifying to get up in front of people and try to make them laugh. Burke had no intention of trying. What happened was a friend dared him. And Burke, like many NFL players, is so insanely competitive that he couldn't stand to let the challenge go unaccepted. So he got up on stage, and it went well. He didn't crash and burn, as they say. The audience didn't sit there silently, staring at him with mounting disdain as his jokes fell flat. The audience laughed. They thought he was funny. I have a company where I do a fair amount of public speaking and consulting, and uh, I'm not horrible at it. It seems to work. I don't mind getting up on stage in front of people. I also like to be entertaining and informative, and so uh, that comes with humor. To be clear, he isn't relying on stand-up to support his family. He's 43 years old, married, with eight kids and two dogs. He knows better than to base his ability to support a brood that large on whether he can make people laugh. The truth is Burke signed some nice contracts when he played for the Vikings and Ravens. And we didn't get into his financial situation when we spoke, but I'm guessing he's pretty smart with his money. He also has always recognized that there's a world beyond football, a real world, where people have lots of problems. As hard as he worked to make it in the NFL and last so long, Burke believes he was lucky, unbelievably lucky. His perspective is that you're lucky to make a living, a nice living playing a kid's game, as opposed to, say, working in a mill or cranking out sales reports. And with his strong Catholic faith guiding him, he has always sought to share some of his good fortune, give back to those not as fortunate. When he was playing, he had a foundation that provided educational opportunities to at-risk kids. The Hike Foundation, it was called. Hope, Inspiration, Knowledge, Education. H-I-K-E. That's also what Burke did on the field, of course. Hike the ball. When he played for the Ravens, he frequently could be found in schools, helping with literacy. 
These days, he's involved with numerous charities. If it's a cause he supports and they have a sound plan, he's in. In the midst of doing that, he was struck by a thought one day. These charities, most of their fundraising events tend to be, well, boring. You know, thanks for coming, blah, blah, blah. Here's what we do, blah, blah, blah. Leave your check on the table, blah, blah, blah. Burke thought, why not put on a fundraising event that's actually fun? Hire comedians, rent out a bar, give people a reason to laugh as they write those checks. Goodness knows we could all stand to laugh a little more these days. So he put together the first edition of what he calls the Do Good Comedy Show. He lined up some real comedians, professionals, and went on stage himself. And the event drew a big crowd, raised a bunch of money. Now he's done it seven or eight times. And there's more coming. And we've raised about a quarter of a million dollars for charity through these events. Yeah, as long as it's raising money and, and we're able to do good with it, um, I figure what the heck. Everybody needs to and wants to laugh a little bit more. How does he come up with his jokes? Well, eight kids and two dogs. Start right there. Most of my material probably comes from, from having eight kids. I don't need to look very far to find material or to, uh, to feel humbled on a daily basis. And uh, I think most people can relate to that. You know, parenting is hard. Kids have a way of making you feel like you're a little failure sometimes. So I think I tap into that and most people can relate. He also riffs on being a big, dumb football lineman. Not that anyone takes him for that. And on being a guy whose time has come and gone. He'll go, people ask me how I'm doing in life after football. Well, here I am standing in front of a room full of strangers begging for your acceptance. How do you think I'm doing? (laughs) When he played football, Burke didn't give too much thought to what he might do after he retired. You get later on in your career, probably from about year 10 on during the season, it was like, yeah, this is going to be my last year. Your body hurts, you're tired, it's a struggle. And then the season ends, you rest a little bit, and you, you kind of forget how hard it is and how, how bad it hurts. And you say, I can go one more year. The thing with Burke's final years, which he spent in Baltimore, was he had never played in a Super Bowl, and the Ravens were close. In 2011, Billy Cundiff missed the kick. They kept them from taking the AFC Championship game into overtime in New England. Burke couldn't let that be his last act, so he came back in 2012. Good call. The Ravens won the AFC North, rolled through the conference playoffs, beating the Patriots in New England, and then they won a thrilling Super Bowl over the San Francisco 49ers. Even after that, though, Burke had second thoughts about retiring. The Super Bowl triumph provided him with the perfect opportunity to take that dream ride into the sunset. He could go out on top, but he fought it. There was a big part of me that wanted to come back. Maybe you'll never win enough Super Bowls, right? I mean, maybe that's why Tom Brady's still playing. But for me, it was like, man, to win it was so hard. And then to repeat is even harder. And like, let's go, let's go try to accomplish that. In my head, it was kind of trying to lure me back a little bit. It's been a ridiculously good run way, way, way better than I could have ever hoped or dreamed for. It just seemed like it was, it was the right time to stop and be around for my family more and move on to what's next, move on to life without football. He took a year off, wrote a book, and then he took a job with the NFL. The league office brought him in to be the appeals officer on player fines for illegal hits. It became his job to step in after a player had been fined for a hit and the player had appealed the fine for being unfair 
or excessive. Burke would listen to everyone's version of events and render a judgment, basically rule whether the fine should be upheld, reduced, or erased entirely. You're sitting on a phone call, and you've got the final say, and on one side you've got this player who's making millions of dollars, and you've got the head coach, and you've got the general manager, and they're all pleading the case for the player. And then on the other side, you've got the union who's trying to support the player, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, everybody on this call is making millions and millions of dollars here, and the guy that gets the final say is the one that had to save his $12 lunch receipt so he gets reimbursed. He ruled on cases involving former teammates and former opponents, guys he'd been on the field with. A tricky business for sure. He also was making decisions that could pretty much determine how a team's season went. Those are some pretty high-pressure hearings. You know, there, there's a lot at stake, and knowing that you suspend a, a star player for a game or two, that might mean the difference in that team making the playoffs. That might mean the difference in that coach or that coach's staff keeping their job. There's a lot to it, but ultimately, I just always tried to do what was spirit of the rules and how the rules were written and, and what was in the best interest of the game. It was actually a really interesting time because that was the year that they drastically changed the rules and the helmet-to-helmet hit with the defenseless players and so there was a lot of adjustment going on by everybody. It was difficult. You know, I don't think anybody was out there trying to, if a receiver was going across the middle, there wasn't anybody trying to intentionally take somebody's head off. But there was a lot of guys trying to retrain themselves so they would be within the new rule. Even as hard as they tried, sometimes it didn't work out that way. The guys were getting fined and guys were frustrated. So it was, it was pretty interesting. In the end, though, the job became somewhat monotonous. Burke only stayed a year. The NFL gave him another job. Actually, Roger Goodell did. The commissioner wanted Burke to learn the business side of pro football. It was flattering, an opportunity he couldn't pass up. And who knows what it might have led to. Certainly a high-profile position down the line. But Burke was living on the East Coast, doing the long commute, hustle here and there thing. And he and his wife longed for the slower pace of the Midwest, specifically Minneapolis and St. Paul where they'd both grown up. Burke quit working for the NFL after two years of learning the business side. He and his wife and their eight kids and their two dogs all moved back to the Twin Cities. It sounds like a sitcom, doesn't it? But this is real life. The Burks have been back for two years, and they've settled in nicely. Between his charity work, speaking business, and consulting opportunities, Burke has plenty going on. Now he's taken on yet another new adventure, one he never could have anticipated when he was playing football. He is co-founding a Catholic high school. Right now, if you look at the education system and the model, it's a little bit broken. That It needs to be tweaked. It's very antiquated. It has not changed a lot over the years, even though if you look at our world and how kids live, how families live, things have changed drastically. And I thought, you know what? Am I going to sit around and complain about it, or am I going to do something about it? So we're opening up a new high school in September this year, Catholic High School. Our model's a little bit different. We're going to focus on, of course, traditional academics, but also very much on leadership, character, and entrepreneurship. But if you look at the economy of the future, which in 10 years from now, what kind of skills are going to be in demand? This leadership and character and entrepreneurship, it's creativity. It's a lot of these things that start being cultivated in the traditional academic environment. These are things Burke has been thinking about since he stopped playing football. He's funny, but as you may have noticed, he's also serious about making the world a better place. 
I'm just kind of an entrepreneur by by nature, and this is something that saw a need there. Um, nobody's doing this, and I thought, hey, I got to put a bunch of kids through high school anyway. So I want them to be educated the way that I want them to be educated. That I think is best for them. And I think we're going to show the country that there's a better way to do things. The response from the local Catholic school community has staggered him. If you have a good mission and a good vision, people step forward. They identify themselves. They say, I want to help. There is no money in Catholic education. There's no money. So you get people that are driven by pure altruistic motives that believe in what you're doing. And so yeah, there's no way anybody can do this by themselves. I certainly can't do it by myself. But the people that have stepped forward, it's, just, it's fantastic. And it's, it's really fun to watch it, to watch it come to fruition, to watch it to start to come together. I think that that's a God thing. When you're talking about faith-based education, I think it's the best thing there is. I think for kids right now, these days, living in this crazy world, I can't imagine growing up and trying to navigate and figure out your value system and where you fit in with how it's the foundation uh, of faith. So I'm just grateful to be a part of this. He'll sit on the school's board of directors and help teach what they're calling Real World Wednesdays, which will include leadership training and a service component. It's a long way from playing in the Super Bowl. I know I'm probably never going to have another job as cool as playing in the NFL. I wasn't going to pay like playing in the NFL, but I feel like God's got a plan for my life like he does for everybody. I just have to just try to figure out what that is and go in that direction. I mean, that's just, that's just life. It turns out there's a Matt Burke expert on the Ravens coaching staff, the current one. Yep, you wouldn't expect it, but Andy Bischoff, the assistant tight ends coach, goes way, way back with Burke. They both grew up in St. Paul, Minnesota, and although Bischoff is eight years older, their paths have repeatedly crossed. I sat down with Andy to talk about Burke, and I wound up gaining great insight into his past, present, and future. Here's Andy. I was coaching youth baseball for a 14-and-under team, and he was on the rival teams. So I was at this inner city, urban. He was in a little bit more of an affluent area. And we were very good youth baseball teams. And he was on the other team as the kind of the closer, the, the high-profile pitcher, long, lean kid, and very confident and plenty of opinions. You know, we're going to win. We're going to beat you guys. You're going to beat us, that kind of a thing. But that's when we really met. Then he was a little older, and he was a caddy at a country club. I was in college and decided to do some caddying. So we got to know each other a little bit more there. Here, I was eight, ten years older than him, but he was the veteran caddy. I was the new guy. So, of course, he wasn't going to let that not be known, you know, that he was the veteran caddy. So he's always had a great sense of humor. I was this public school guy. Many of the caddies were private school kids. I was a little bit of the outsider. I mean, these caddies are all 14, 15, 16 And I was in college and somebody said, hey, you want to make some easy money? Go double bag it at Town & Country Golf Course. Well, lo and behold, there's Matt Burke, who is the half boss of the Caddyshack. So I'm working for him, you know. (laughs) So uh, he didn't let that go without being noticed. You know, hey, Bischoff, get to work. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it just goes on and on. Today, Bischoff is in his fifth year on John Harbaugh's staff. Before that, he coached with the Chicago Bears and the Montreal Alouettes of the Canadian Football League. His career began with a coaching job at Creighton-Durham Hall High School in St. Paul, a Minnesota powerhouse. 
That's where Burke went to high school. Bischoff started coaching there in 1993, the year after Burke graduated. He was a great player there. He originally had a scholarship offer to the University of Minnesota. Through a series of really odd events, they pulled the scholarship late. That recruiting coach was banned from the building in how poorly he handled the Burke situation. He then moved on, went to Harvard, did his thing, was a great player at Harvard. You mentioned the stand-up comedy. We ran a youth football camp at Creighton Durham Hall that kind of began during his days at Harvard. Now here he is. He's a you know, well-known. Now he's going to start a school, and now he's a comedian and all those things. But at our football camp, he gave his first public speech uh, okay. to our players at the camp. And I had always wanted to ask former players, hey, could you give the guys a couple words? And he said very clearly, this is my first public speaking in front of guys like this. How'd he do? He did great. He mixed a great balance of pointed seriousness and comedy. I mean, Matt always has a way of slipping in humor. His direction as a comedian doesn't surprise me. Um, and, And really going back to youth baseball, he's smart, he's sharp, he's witty, you know, and it it comes quickly to him. So, I mean, stand-up is a fit because it's improv. You know, he can improv and he can roll, uh, which is is a great quality of his. Bischoff and Burke continued to run into each other after the Minnesota Vikings selected Burke in the sixth round of the 1998 NFL draft. Quite a fateful event, actually, considering Burke's Minnesota roots. Burke won a place on his hometown team's roster. He would eventually develop into a perennial pro bowler. Meanwhile, Bischoff was still coaching at Creighton Durham Hall High School in Burke's early years with the Vikings. Every Sunday morning, we went to a particular breakfast place called Keys Cafe. And every Sunday morning, Matt was sitting in the corner, sitting, eating breakfast by himself. What we didn't realize at the time was that he was scouting his future wife, her family owned this restaurant, and she was one of the waitresses. Her name's Adriana, as we all know. He's sitting, eating breakfast by himself every week, working on her. Um, <laughs> we're, we're working on our coaching staff stuff. Of course, the rest is history, and they're married, all the kids and everything else. His family, I mean, you want to talk about a, a salt-of-the-earth family. I mean, his mom and dad, beautiful people, two brothers. All three very good athletes. Matt will tell you that Nick and Ben, his brothers, were much better athletes than him. He may not admit that, but he knows it. He just found his way to the NFL. Really athletic family, hardworking, great people, core St. Paul, Minnesota people. So it doesn't surprise you. After football, you know, he, he worked for the NFL for a while in the league office. And after a while, sort of chucked it. And, and he was going down an interesting road in the NFL. But he and his wife wanted to live in the Twin Cities. That was more important to them. Does that surprise you? No, not at all. Yeah. And, and like you have alluded to, I mean, this is a guy that can be a stand-up comedian or the commissioner of the NFL. Let's be honest. I mean, the guy is a brilliantly educated man with all kinds of experiences. But what brings him back to St. Paul his family and the community and what he can give to that space. I mean, the guy is loved in that community in terms of his years with the Vikings then the impact he made with his hike foundation out here and there. And now the efforts that he's making, you know, in creating a school. And I mean, I don't even know the half of it, but what I know is that he's giving back to his community. Matt Burke's Twitter feed offers a nice picture of what he's all about. There's a blend of observations about the NFL, news about his charitable works, a lot about Catholic education, 
and some comedy. His profile picture is him with his wife and eight kids. Below it, he writes, Embrace the chaos. It's called life. Last month, he exchanged tweets with a comedian named Jen Fulweiler, who was having some fun with the fact that Burke would be opening for her. She tweeted, Should I use this picture to promote it? Posting an on-field shot of Burke from his NFL days, his helmet off, blood running down his nose. Yes, you should, Burke tweeted right back. Because it screams, I'm funny. I would love, dearly love, to roll for you some audio from one of his performances. I know you'd enjoy it. But Burke has drawn a line in the sand. No money, no funny, he says. You only get to hear him if you pay to hear him at one of his events. He wants you to attend a do-good comedy show, support one of his charities. As a result, there's no audio of him on stage performing. And as he pointed out to me when we spoke, the demand for bootleg tapes of his act isn't exactly soaring. So you'll just have to take it from me. He's getting more and more comfortable on stage, less and less afraid of being the stand-up guy who bombs. I'm never the headliner. I'm always the, the warm-up act. But yeah, it's fun. It's a challenge. There's probably nothing I can't be more vulnerable than going up on stage and trying to get people to, to laugh. You know, sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's okay. I have yet to crash and burn. And uh, so we'll just, we'll just keep going. Yeah, I've failed at a lot of things. And if I went up there and bombed, and that doesn't really reflect on my character. But, you know, it's just me up there bombing. But, you know, football is played a lot harder. And if you don't play well, you don't do your job, you let your team down. And so certainly, I mean, gosh, I used to almost get to the point of worked up to the point of vomiting before a game. Sometimes I did. It's just so so anxious and, and nervous and excited. And comedy, uh, I've come nowhere near to that to that level of edge before I go out on stage. So this is, this is a lot easier. Way easier. You can find out more about Burke and his career at BaltimoreRavens.com slash what happened to that guy. I'd like to thank him for speaking to me. I'd also like to thank Andy Bischoff. Another new episode of What Happened to That Guy will drop in two weeks, and they'll keep coming every other week for the rest of the 2019 season. Next up, Chris Carr, a defensive back who played nine years in the NFL, three with the Ravens early in the John Harbaugh era. A fine player in his day, Carr has really moved on from football. He's now an immigration attorney with quite a story to tell. I hope you keep listening. If you like what you're hearing, don't hesitate to leave a five-star rating and write a review. Also, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. This podcast and The Lounge, the excellent weekly podcast from my colleagues Ryan Mink and Garrett Downing, are part of the Baltimore Ravens Podcast Network. You can tell people, just search for that wherever you get your podcast. Baltimore Ravens Podcast Network, and everything will come up. This is John Eisenberg. I'll talk to you in two weeks. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a, a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit mortonbuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, 
The difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at zerofoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody rugged, resilient, and timeless.